Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Alba Huerta from Julep coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. He is a passionate advocate for the Houston food scene. We follow him on Instagram at thatguyhouston. Matt Harris, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, been a busy week for news about new bars and nightclubs that are opening. Matt, I want to hit these kind of briefly because there's not necessarily terribly much to say about any of them individually. The first is the Stark Room. This is an upscale lounge in Midtown in the former Ibiza Lounge space on Louisiana Street. Uh, It is named after the famous architect and designer Philippe Stark. And it's this like little intimate 1800 square foot space with a very posh looking glitzy interior. Um, The second is Cherry, an 80s and 90s themed dance club in the former Nightingale Room space on Main Street. It is owned by the Hospitable Viking. They are known for Rosemont, the... Rooftop Bar in Montrose and the Commoner Boulevardier, which are both uh, nightclub drinking destinations downtown. And finally, there is Fat Boots, which is described as a drinkertainment concept serving, quote, camp and cocktails, end quote, with singing bartender, singing bartenders, uh, cheese whiz and crackers as a snack, drinks served in a spam can, uh, and the owners have a whole bunch of experience in Vegas from concepts like the Pussycat Dolls. Matt, I I say all that to say this to you. I mean, what do you what do you sort of think of these these three concepts? Do you think they'll grab people's attention? Uh, I know you're not a you're not a drinker, so it's not interesting to you personally. But but kind of what is your reaction to this uh, these developments? Um, uh, you know, a little out of my element as you alluded to, but, uh, on a more general level, I, I think it's a, another positive sign for Houston and the, uh, food and beverage industry landscape that, that I think is, is a positive and good news. Right. I think a year ago at the start of the pandemic, we were sort of talking about, you know, could 25% of bars and restaurants close? Could 50%? I think I remember listening to a David Chang podcast. I My memory is that he said 75%, which even then sounded alarmist, but we, we really didn't know what the ramifications of the restrictions to slow the spread of the pandemic were going to be. So obviously we're, we're coming through that and there's a sense of optimism. And, and I would say that, that this is the latest sign of that no i think that's fair i think that's fair i um do feel like on some levels uh there were certain bars that uh were well populated i won't name them uh i wasn't i wasn't there in person i was driving by so uh well was driving by yesterday and in midtown and places were well well attended well even even before the governor lifted capacity restrictions and the statewide mask requirement, you could drive down Washington Avenue on a Saturday night 
and see that places at least didn't appear to be complying with the, the regulations as I understood them at the time, right? I'm not a TABC enforcement agent. It's not, it's not my responsibility to go in and count bodies and decide whether or not they're over capacity. But it, it certainly looked like that that might've been happening. And, and now that those restrictions have been lifted, you know, it's, it's whether, whether it's definitely happening, right. It's definitely happening. Right. Without, without expressing an opinion about whether or not it should be happening or how other people spend their time, it's definitely happening. So, well, said. you know, these are, these are the latest manifestations of, of that. And I will say I'm excited about cherry in particular because downtown has been so hard hit by all of the changes over the last year, right? People aren't working in offices. There haven't been juries sitting. There haven't been crowds at sporting events, right? To feed Minute Maid Park or uh, BBVA Compass Stadium. So, you know, the downtown has been functionally, that, that whole Main Street nightlife district has been functionally shut down the entire time. So that that's coming back and that Bobby Hugel announced on Instagram that the pastry war is getting ready to reopen. I saw Bad News Bar is hiring for a new bartender. That's a sign that they're getting ready to reopen. You know, uh, I, I don't like that phrase, the new normal or, or back to normal, but, but I do like that businesses are reopening and that people will have uh, entertainment options that they, they haven't had for about a year. No, I think so. Yeah, if you kind of, took the uh the thought out of my head i was you know saw that with uh, the pastry war and uh again took that as another positive sign and, um so yeah a little tbd for you know i'm not uh they, they don't need my business to succeed and um the one that does sort of pique my curiosity is the uh the fat boots just because I could see if that's well done, how that, you know, could be a little bit more of a destination spot. Well, maybe. it sounds, it sounds really silly, right. With the bartenders dancing yep. on a stage and dancing on the bar, you know, I've seen the movie coyote ugly. So I kind of get the vibe that they're going for. Uh, apparently this, this concept exists in California and it exists in Dallas, this kind of, you know, trailer park, vibe that they're kind of trying to channel uh, in, a, in a very campy, very over the top way. Uh, and apparently it's very successful in those yeah. other places. So this is, this is the first manifestation of that in Houston. You know, I agree with you. This is not, they don't need my money for this to be successful, but it does feel like the sort of thing that people are going to go in the spirit of having a lot of fun. And, you know, my, it's, it's taking the former pink elephant room space so my personal hope is that just some small fraction of those people that, that go to Fat Boots uh, on their way home, make it across the street and go have a bowl of uh, noodles at Ninja Ramen. Okay. I, just because I like Ninja Ramen and I like it, I want it to do well. There you go. All right. Let us move on to topic number two. BCK will close this Friday, April 30th. It will become a Houston outpost of Las Vegas's Shoku Ramen. Uh, Matt, let me just ask you, have you had any, do you have any memories of BCK? Do you have any thoughts about BCK closing? 
Um, not too many. Um, you know, I thought they were kind of doing the kitschy thing with, uh, you know, kind of fun cocktails and, and fun brunch items. Yeah. This is the concept from the owners of boss cat kitchen. And it kind of opened with this nostalgic idea that they would do like SpaghettiOs or a banh mi or different kind of, you know, their version of, you know, these like very childhood nostalgic kind of foods that didn't really catch on. They tried burgers, they tried tacos and wings, I guess, you know, ultimately it, it, it never really kind of captured people's attention the way that they wanted to. Of course, Bosca kitchen uh, right next to river Oaks district remains very successful, very busy. So that's not going anywhere. Right. Right. I, I am sort of intrigued by Shoku ramen. Apparently they serve an incredibly spicy, Ramen, that's kind of what they're known for. And in Vegas, they're open 24-7. I, I suspect that won't be the case here in Houston, but uh, I'm intrigued, if nothing else. Yeah, you know, the, it's an interesting space. I mean, the Heights is obviously, there's a lot of foot traffic there. I uh, sort of shy away towards some of the other options. Udon, for one, would be my preferred noodle option. but We'll see. Uh, uh, I'm not saying that that uh, you couldn't twist my arm to go. <laughs> well, I will say there is all of a sudden quite a bit of ramen, both in the Heights and near the Heights. You know, I, I mentioned Ninja on Washington Avenue. You've got Samurai at Durham and I-10. Uh, Jinya is in the Waterworks on 19th Street. Rockin' Ramen from California is opening next week in uh, the MKT Heights development. And, and then so Shoku is going to come in and be five in a, in a relatively dense uh, geographic area. So I, I sort of wonder about how much ramen is too much ramen, but, you know, we'll see. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck? Uh, how, how many noodles could a something something slurp if a something something could slurp noodles? I don't, I don't know. Yes. I think uh, not to be repetitive here, but, you know, as you're listing those, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, that Houston is remains an attractive destination for national concepts. And that is definitely positive news in my opinion. Absolutely. All right. And then topic number three, Brennan's of Houston has a new executive chef, Matt staff, announced that he has left one fifth where he has been chef de cuisine for four years. He replaces Joey Chavez. Who's only been there for about a year. Joey's going to be a private chef. He replaced Joe Cervantes who has been on this podcast. He is the chef at Pier six seafood and oyster bar in San Leon. Which I still need to get to, by the way. Well, we should fix that soon because Pier 6 is delightful and, and I'd actually like to go back there, but our, our dining plans notwithstanding. What do, you, what do you kind of think about Brennan's or, or maybe this move for Brennan's? I mean, I think, you know, certainly one-fifth Gulf Coast and currently one-fifth Southern Comfort uh, both lend themselves, those, those experiences really lend themselves to the kind of elevated Creole food that, that, people go to Brendan's for. So I think he brings some good experience from that perspective. No, I agree. 
Uh, I think so. And, you know, that's a pretty solid line on your resume to have spent uh, four years with the Underbelly Hospitality Group. So I, I, I think that there are the, the pieces are here for this to be a win-win for Brennan's and for, uh, for Matt's staff, which would then mean it's a win-win for people like you and me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, the one thing I sort of think about is, you know, Brennan's of Houston is related to Commander's Palace. You know, if you were going to do a, a Mount Rushmore of four iconic American restaurants that have shaped how we dine today, I don't know if it would make if it would make the four, but it might make the the top ten list. You know, it would be in the conversation for the Mount Rushmore, and. And, and, I, and I don't know that Brennan's has ever sort of achieved that level of critical acclaim necessarily. And so, you know, my, my aspiration is that a young, talented chef like Matt Staff could sort of take Brennan's and, and move it maybe into that conversation where it's given sort of equal respect with its sibling in New Orleans. Right. Right. Well, and yeah, that, you know, Brennan's Houston has been here for quite a while. I remember going throughout different periods of my life and, uh, you know, you, you go and you just get kind of just go right back to that kind of New Orleans feel. The, the space is great. And, uh, you know, the food is, I mean, you know, you're going for the bananas foster, you're going for the turtle soup, you're going for the fill in the blank. Um, right. Snapper you know, poncha train. Thank whatever. you. I, yes. I was thinking redfish, but um, snappers. And uh, just kind of dots those eyes and crosses those T's. And, you know, it's been a while since I've been there, but um, I'm a fan of Matt's and uh, we'll look forward to to going back and, and seeing what this new iteration looks like. No, absolutely. And, and I will say I had a really good meal there while Joey was the chef, you know, at their invitation. And, and, you know, I felt like he had some ideas about how to kind of move things forward a little bit, but, you know, he's got, he's got a young family. He got this opportunity, you know, wish him all the success in the world with that. But yeah, obviously very excited to see kind of what Matt does and, and how you kind of keep a, an established restaurant like that relevant into the future. Yes. No, but there you go. That's it. If, if they succeed on, if they find success on that level, then uh, I think that's it. That's, that's the, that's where it turns. You nailed it, daddy. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Matt, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about two new Thai restaurants. Let's start with Zab Dur, or maybe Zab Dare. This is a restaurant that's been open for about four months in the Energy Corridor at the corner of Derry, Ashford, and Memorial. More of a northern Thai kind of regional perspective on Thai food. Matt, I'd say we had a pretty good lunch at Zab Dur, Zab Dare. 
What do you think? Uh, I think that's right. Uh, I think uh, it had been on uh, my radar for a while now. And as you know, I've been on a bit of a respite. So I've been looking forward to it and uh, know how those things go. Sometimes, you know, you have expectations. Sometimes they're not met. But I uh, am, am happy to say in this case, they were met and uh, maybe even exceeded. Yeah, it's an interesting sort of thing because you, you walk into the, you know, it's in a shopping center with the Randalls and it's it's very humble, you know, kind of basic tables and chairs, not a lot of decor. Uh, so, you know, you never really quite know what you're going to get. And then we ordered a few dishes, you know, we ordered uh, we ordered some grilled chicken. We ordered uh, we ordered a larb. We ordered uh, that would butter, help if I... butter, spicy butter, garlic shrimp. Oh, that's right. And we ordered a tiger cry. So we, we kind of hit the, you know, a couple of classics and a, and a, and a couple of newbies. You know, I got to say, I was particularly impressed by the larb. You know, that's a, a staple dish on any time menu. But I thought, you know, the chicken was prepared well. I thought it had a lot of bright citrus acidity and, and plenty of heat. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I really enjoyed that dish and really just kind of set the table, kind of woke the taste buds up. And uh, I was like, hey, I mean, we, we may be in for uh, a little ride here. Uh, and it was uh, that ride was very, uh, very enjoyable, you know, really had a just a nice kind of late afternoon Saturday lunch. Yeah, I mean, what else you want to talk maybe about either the tiger cry or the uh, spicy garlic butter shrimp? Uh, well, I, I had I had a shrimp that it was it was a noodles based dish and 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 stayed away from that my uh, my current regimen. But uh, tiger cry was very flavorful, really tender, everything that you want. Uh, so the nice um, sort of counterpoint to the heat and the larb and uh just a little bit of the the fat from the meat kind of coated the taste buds and really quite tasty yeah big beef flavor again the fresh herbs that you you really associate with thai cooking you know not necessarily spicy but but very satisfying and just that simple grilled chicken in the marinade you know the chicken was cooked nicely uh, the skin was cooked well. Everything was rendered right. I just, you know, not not a fancy dish, but well executed. And yeah, we spent, you know, we basically ate a dinner sized amount of food for a late lunch. So we spent about $70 for the two of us. I, I felt really good about kind of the value for money, given the quality and, and how everything was prepared. I thought the value proposition was was excellent. You know, there's a we had a little bit of leftover. Um, there was not any larb leftover, as as you can attest to. Uh, I actually tipped the uh, serving bowl back and drank whatever was left. It was really good, and that chicken uh, was was also delicious. It sort of read to me as is kind of a roasted chicken, and then they finished it off on the grill. But it was just juicy and it fell apart, and it just really spoke to me the whole just the whole lunch. I, I'm ready to go back, honestly. Yeah, and and I would say, you know, particularly if you're in the western part of Memorial or sure. 
the energy corridor, you know, West Chase. Memorial you know, City, maybe, City Center, even uh, that, that uh, kind of West Corridor, Spring Branch that's, that's close to the Beltway. Right, because, I, I mean, thinking about, you know, if you're not going to the Yang Tai at the, you know, in the Eastern Spring Branch on Long Point, or if you're, if you're maybe a little farther south, you might be going to, to Tai Gourmet on Richmond. But, you know, off the top of my head, I, I can't think of sort of other Thai restaurants in the immediate area of that quality. And, and I say that knowing that, that Jet Hurapan just opened Yi Peng in city center and I haven't made it there yet. And I owe, I, I certainly owe Jet a visit. Um, but that's going to be a little more elevated given his track record at Songkran and its location in city center. I just think that's going to be kind of a different experience. This is, this is very homey. This is, this is pretty rustic. But very, very satisfying. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'm ready to go back. I uh, just really enjoyed uh, everything that we had. And you, you have expectations uh, uh, when they're met. You know, it was a good day. It was a good day. I'll take it. It was a win. Absolutely. And then in addition to Zabdur, we also went to Trinity Street Food. This is a new Thai restaurant in Tanglewood in the old Latin Bites space at the corner of Chimney Rock and Woodway, Latin Bites moved from one end of the shopping center to the other end of the shopping center. So Trinity Street Food is now open there. You know, I would say compared to Zabdur, Trinity Street Food, um, more of a conventional American style Thai experience, right? A, um, A menu with the kind of the standard curries and stir fries a few Japanese appetizers, right? Shrimp gyoza, shrimp tempura, edamame. I thought that was kind of interesting. But like a, a very solid sort of neighborhood option, right? If you if you live in that kind of near the Galleria, Tanglewood, Briar Grove, something to try for sure. Yeah, it, it felt like they were still finding their footing a little bit. But uh, I think if, if we had gone there without going to Zabdur, um, you know, having that sort of comparison, I uh, would be a strong, strong lean to Zabdur for for return visits. But again, as you said, you know, neighborhood spot flavors were interesting. A few execution problems, um, uh, in in my humble opinion. But uh, you know, space is nice. It's it, nice patio, and prices were reasonable. So. I, I see the attraction. Yeah, I mean, they had that one, that one standout dish, the the sleeping angel, which I I don't quite I I sort of described it as like a noodle burrito because it's sort of wrapped in, it's like a whole dish. It's sort of wrapped in large noodles and then it's stuffed with chicken, shrimp, avocado, mango, like glass noodles some other vegetables, carrot. That was kind of the standout dish just in the sense that it's something I've never really seen before. And you can kind of adjust the spice level on it. And I thought the individual components were, were cooked well and it's, it's packaged in a really interesting way. Yeah. I, I believe it's, it's rice paper and it's wrapped in. And, and, uh, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it does read uh, sort of like a Thai burrito and, 
there was some avocado in there. Uh, you know, the shrimp were really nicely cooked. Interesting flavors and textures I didn't get to try. Uh, you know, it was a full compliment. Um, but as we were sitting there, certainly noticed that uh, it was being enjoyed by uh, both yourself and uh, our other dining guest. Yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, Pad Thai, you know, a, a respectable version of a familiar dish, you know, a reference quality kind of experience, but but very solid. Uh, you know, I indulged myself with some kind of standard crispy egg rolls. I, I'm never, ever going to complain about, about those as long as they're fried properly. And, uh, you know, we had a, a larb, we had a larb. And I think, I think if I hadn't had the, the really incredible larb at, uh, Zob Dare, maybe I, I wouldn't have, have noticed that it, it just, it was, I mean, it was still spicy. It still had kind of the fresh herbs and, and some of the citrus. It just, you know, if, if the Zob Dare was a, was a 10, you know, Trinity street food, maybe more like a six and a half. Uh, I, I will countenance that rating. All right. Any other comments on either Trinity Street Food or Zob Dare? Like most places, I say the best thing to do is uh, to go and, and form your own opinion. I think they're both worth a visit. If you had to choose one, I would suggest Zob Dare. But, uh, you know, the, it's, it, it's nice to see uh, a little uh, movement in the uh, Thai scene. Absolutely. All right, Matt, that does it for our restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I will be right back with Alba Huerta from Julep. I am joined this week by, as far as I know, the only guest to ever be on the cover of Texas Monthly. She is the owner of Julep, a cocktail bar on Washington Avenue. Alba Huerta, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. I say welcome back for new listeners to the show. This is episode 191 and you were on episode 46. So it's been almost exactly three years. Well, congratulations to you also. That's incredible. Thank you. Yes. Well, you know, I just, I show up and talk in front of a microphone uh, once a week and you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, and eventually you you build a you build a, a resume, I guess. I love. Uh, so let's but let's talk about you. Enough about me. Let's talk about you. <laughs> let's start with the news. I mean, the news is that Julep is finally reopening uh, this weekend. We are finally reopening after um, thirteen months, I think, of roughly of being dormant. Um, we had, you know, we attempted to open, I think, a few times under the regulations of what bars were going through. And then um, there was opportunity to do the cocktail truck and uh, the julep to go truck for home deliveries. And that was just a great, um, just a great venture and uh, really what kept us in business this long for, for us to be able to come back. So everyone who's who's uh, called us for home deliveries we love you we appreciate you and thank you for for making this possible for us well yeah talk a little bit about kind of how you got the idea to do the cocktail truck and sort of logistically how that wound up working out because i i mean i know if i i drove past the manila lawn a couple of times and i saw it 
yeah. you parked out there. And I, I know you had some other kind of spots in your rotation. So we had, um, so the, so the idea and the, the track too was from, uh, my good friend, Luis Villegas, the uh, bovine and barley track. And then we changed our license to be able to have, uh, the food and beverage permit. Um, and when I did the truck, it was just a little bit different because all of our stuff was online. Um, and then we just offered some larger format products and some some different um, some different menu items, and um, and so basically we can deliver to um, we can self deliver. So uh, we can deliver to people's homes. We can deliver to parks, public parks. So the Manil would be um, if you have a delivery at the Manil. Uh, you can just ping us to go there and, um, and then everything gets, uh, I guess, uh, online, everything gets sorted online. So we, um, we just, you know, are, are accessible, um, for, for also for catering. We've had a lot of success now that things are reopening. Um, but it's a refrigerated truck for, for lack of better words. Um, there's refrigeration on it that, uh, deals with a different temperature. So that was one of the, that was one of the biggest things about, um, doing drinks to go when we couldn't really serve anyone. We, um, you know, people would pick up their drinks and hopefully their drinks by the time they got home were not uh, watery or run down, but sometimes they were. So, uh, for us to deliver, uh, these, these cocktails the, that we, we spend so much time and energy on, like we want to make sure that they get to your home in the best preserved way possible. So the best, the coldest uh, possible way. Right. And then how much of your menu were you able to serve or were there, were there certain kinds of drinks that maybe worked better on the truck than others or yeah. how did that kind of come together? So for sure, the um, to, to, great, great question, because not everything was, um, was that easily translatable to the to a to go menu. Um, one of the things that I mean, so the the menu itself probably has about uh, 12 cocktails, and then we do larger formats for all of them. But one of the items on that menu that was, uh, that came before, I started working on this menu item before we even could even had the legal means to do the track. Um, just to stay creative, I started making cocktail popsicles. And the cocktail popsicles were really like, was again, we could, it was a product that could stay uh, frozen, could be refrozen when you got home. Um, and and so it preserved itself well throughout throughout the the voyage of going home uh, during a time when everybody was supposed to be in quarantine and there really weren't any public spaces or or any restaurants open either restaurants um, bars. So that product was such a success and people just loved they loved the cocktail popsicles especially in the summer um, and that became a huge honestly like we sold popsicles all day people would pick up cocktail popsicles all day i have regulars who come every wednesday to pick up their popsicles <laughs> like um it's just been a lot of fun to do things like that so that was a great creative uh outlet during a time when it was just so weird and and uh and not not a lot of uncertainty you know we didn't know we i honestly i'm sitting here at julep 13 months after being shut down the first time by um, by the state of Texas. And I honestly, there were some points where I really didn't know this would be possible in the future. 
just because we didn't have we didn't have the access to be able to um, to operate properly enough for it to be profitable. But this the the truck was the saving grace, and the popsicles were such a huge success that that it just led to to so many other things. Right. So is that why you you didn't follow the path of maybe some of the other bars that that got a restaurant license and operated as operated as a restaurant? Well, we did get we did get that permit. Um, it was because of the way that um, I mean, there's a few changes, I think, too, that were that that should be considered in, in the addition of that permit, too. We um, there, we get a lot of business from downtown um, after after work. So if downtown was shut down and offices were shut down, we didn't have that traffic to drive through, um, through like our bar and, and, um, and networking and happy hour business, but mostly the, um, it just, the truck at that time seemed like a much better, like a much better plan for us to deliver your drinks to your home. Because, um, as much as I know several people who wanted to be out at that time and be in public spaces, there were a lot more people who wanted to stay home and, um, and stay in quarantine. So we would, make the home deliveries to them and it, and it worked out really great. So I felt like both, both, uh, for those, for those bars who were open and operating and, and, um, and, and providing service, uh, we were, we were fulfilling the other need where, where there were people at home who weren't yet comfortable to be out. So it was really fun. Yeah. So as I said, you're reopening this weekend, you're doing your big derby party. What can people sort of expect? I mean, how, how, much is it going to be like what it's been like before and, and how's it going to be different? So the party, the, the derby party is actually the, it's an outdoor event um, and what the weather's looking really great. So uh, there's always this, this week, the week of before the derby party where the weather is like, we're just watching the weather to make sure everything, everything looks, everything looks on the up and up. But um but it is an outdoor party. Um, there's tables outside. There's umbrellas. It, there's a tent. So it's open and outdoor, um, which is why it's it was the it seemed like a really great idea to open on that day, and also with the ups and downs all year of of we're open to this capacity or we're you know we're not or you know the bars just went through a, a roller coaster of of things of being open and not open and shut down. So if there was a lingering question out there, if we were going to be open, I think that on Kentucky Derby is the day that most people would think about us. And so being open on that day and and reclaiming it as the reopening day seemed like a great fit for us to just be be on people's minds and for them to think about us during on that day. What will you be doing for Derby Day? Like, what will the party be like? So for Derby Day, we open at noon. We have, um, we go for at noon, we have a viewing party for the race, um, which is I think 5.30 or so. So we have two screens for that. Um, and then we have an indoor projector so that everybody has access to the, to the, um, to the race without us actually being uh, too close in close quarters. Um, and we have Vinyl Ranch who's going to be DJing for us. He's uh, he's making a uh, a stint here after moving to Oklahoma. He's been our resident DJ for every every party. Catherine Mantarola is our event coordinator, and she's been incredible. Um, and we have again five thousand stemmed flowers coming. 
Um, we decorate throughout throughout the entire space. We have um, the Julep to Go truck will be on the property too to help with drink service. Uh, Figus, Patrick Figus, Figus Barbecue, Patrick and Aaron are going to be here. Um, and we also have Good Dog, uh, Good Dog Houston going to join us. So we have quite a few vendors um, for food and beverage. And it's just a nice outdoor party where I've honestly, this party is one of those where people dress up with their hats and their dresses and they just look amazing. So we make the property look amazing too. We cover the parking lot with green turf and flowers and just very, very like lovely decorating, decorated uh, Kentucky Derby style party. Well, yeah. Tell, tell me about the attire because I, I've been trying to figure out, you know, what to wear or, or maybe for people who haven't been before, they don't know what to wear. Like, what is your, what is your sort of advice? Honestly, I feel like the, the best, the it's, it's all over, right? I feel like the, the sum it's it's one of those opportunities for for you to dress up if you have the seersucker and if you have um if you have the gear um it's also a lawn party so it's outdoor so you i would wear something that's comfortable um like sundresses and um and i think houstonians we generally know how to dress for outdoor events we're very good at at uh at being comfortable in in that kind of space um but I, I love to see the, I love to see the hats and they, and everyone will, everyone will pretty much be wearing some sort of hat or, or something. There's a, there's always that, that finishing touch on the, on, on what people are wearing for, for just the Kentucky Derby type of gear. Right. But you don't have to necessarily, but, but most people do. Most people do. Yeah. You don't, you definitely don't have to. I would always dress for comfort. When, when being outside in Houston, Texas for any event. So then what's it going to be like at Julep kind of after Derby Day? I mean, are you going back to seven days a week? Will you have your food menu again? What are your, what are your plans? Yes. May, May 1st is our Kentucky Derby party. On May 2nd, we're doing a Derby do-over for our industry, um, for all of our industry folk. And we will, um, because, you know, they don't take up our rentals until Monday. So we're going to use them <laughs> again on Sunday. And we are inviting the uh, people in the industry to to have an outdoor event. Also, we've the industry itself has had such a difficult time this year. So, um, so having that Sunday event, that Sunday duo for anybody who might have had to work, or anyone who didn't have access to it, it's a it's a good day to come. Um, we won't be viewing the race on Sunday. We're only going to be viewing the race live on Saturday. But um, oh, another thing I forgot to tell you about our our sponsor. One of our sponsors is Old Forester, and they have gotten behind this thing called the Turtle Derby. And the Turtle Derby is being aired at 3 p.m. at our party also. And it's uh, and they've got some really great blazers and bow ties and things with like turtle 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 racing um, uh, for this turtle racing event that we're also going to be televising on Saturday. But but Saturday and Sunday uh, we will still have our so, so we have Saturdays our main derby, Sundays our derby do over, and then Monday we go into regular service with our with our menu. We have. Um, we have 30 classics, we have a happy hour in the menu, we have uh, 12 house drinks, and we have um, 
draft cocktails. Um, there's been a few changes in the bar because I, I did have a little bit of construction done while while we were while we were closed, um, which are really good changes. I really love some of the updates in the bar um, that will give uh, that will give us more seating more seating spaces for 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 the type of service that we do, and um, and then there's a there's a there's also a sh uh, you know a a shop that we have. Um, that is in a space that is next to the bar. So once you're on the property, and I think you're coming, um, uh, I'll show you the the what we're calling it. It's a the ready. It's it's a ready to drink store, which is a um, a bottle a bottle retail shop for everything cocktail. So you can find drinks that are ready to be drank, and you can find uh, cocktail tools, cocktail books, um, pretty much anything that's ever been. Uh, made with alcohol like gummies gummy bears popcorn things like that so you'll so those are all available at at the ready to drink shop that is right next that just uh right next door to julep all right so so let's let's back up just a little bit you said you made some physical changes to the space to accommodate more seating what did you what changes did you make so there is now a um a uh like a uh, standing a standing rail where we just kind of had a little bit of extra space in the middle of the bar um, just for anyone who's who's uh, waiting on someone or anything like that um, and we've also just put in um, space like um, USB ports where people can recharge and um, I opened the bar in 2014 <laughs> so there's a few little changes that need to be made just to to get us up and running in a in a more uh it, it was the opportunity it was a perfect opportunity to get those things done you know right no absolutely and then just expand a little bit on the bottle the bottle shop i guess uh, you know how did you kind of come up with that idea and and what will you what will you have available yeah, the bottle shop is um, so everything is to be take. You know, it's it's everything's prepackaged, um, everything is shelf stable, and it is. Um, there's about a hundred drinks uh, on the shelf and in freezers for you to take home, and it is uh, uh, a, a beautiful branding that was done by Letters at Houston, um, Matt Tabor, and Leslie um, Matt Tabor and Leslie Slade. Um, and the concept was just to still give people the opportunity to take things, to take things with them, like the same service that we did during uh, during the pandemic. But it also just created other other ways that I could uh, be creative in that space. So um, we sell large format ice, and the ice is uh, from Luis Villegas, and um, who was who was also my friend who. Um, who I mentioned to you helped us with, with understanding the mechanics of the truck and whatnot. So there's a few things in that space that are just so interesting because we're I'm you know making ice creams with like uh, Montenegro, um, cognac and pralines and things like that. So there's more of a food element and a the bottle shop itself has um, classics. So a lot of the classic cocktails that you would see um, in bars like Manhattan martinis. Uh, the bee's knees. So all of the classics that you normally drink, they are now in the bottle shop and they're uh, ready for you to take home. They are good for about two to three weeks and all of the bottles are marked. 
but they're just nice to take home and enjoy and enjoy at home. So they're, it's the, it's the best version of a, of a bottle shop, uh, cocktail that you can t- or take home cocktail. Um, and we're still making our drinks at julep, which are the drinks that you enjoy in the bar and that you enjoy while socializing. So you're not going to sell like bottles of spirits, right? You won't be able to buy like a bottle of whiskey at, at the bottle shop. No, the bottle, we, we can't do that um, under our to-go model. We can do um, mini bottles, mm-hmm. which there's a vending machine that vends out mini bottles. If that's what you want. That's very fun. Okay. It's I like it. Cute. You have to see it, Eric. You have to, actually, you feel free to stop by anytime and check it out, but I'm definitely going to like, like I'm going to have you walk it on Saturday so you can see what I'm talking about. And I think the largest, uh, the largest bottle of, of, not mixed alcohol that we can sell is 375 um, under the to-go model. But it's a fun shop. Um, it is, uh, there's no seating in there. It's just, um, it's a pop-up. So it's, uh, it's just a pop-up to kind of get us back into business, to get us, uh, to get me to utilize the space that we've had as storage for a long time. So just maximizing a little bit better on the, on the concept, but also just trying something new and staying, uh, I mean, the pandemic, forced us to be creative in so many ways. And I don't think that creativity uh, is gone, but that's a really great place where we can put that creativity of creating products, creating more more food items, and um, and then just being able to make these drinks that are that are ready to be drank at home. And um, and that I think that's I think that's a part of um, that was going to happen very naturally after the pandemic of um, this hybrid model of going back to business, but that, um, that's a pop-up. And then eventually we'll, um, I'll go and use that space for, um, for banquet room or, or something other than, um, honestly, I was stashing, uh, there's two big things that we do at, 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 uh, two big holidays. If I can say holidays that we do at Julep, one of them is the Kentucky Derby. So, it's a lot of chairs. It was like a lot of chairs and tables and things for the Kentucky Derby and like green walls. And then the other thing that we do over the top is the uh, Christmas decorations. So it's like I took all of those into storage and then utilized that space, which made uh, which made a little bit more sense for 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 the bottle shop. And and it's just cool. I'm really I'm really I'm really happy with it. I'm really excited for everyone to see it. You know, the, 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 it's called ready to, it's called ready to drink a uh, cocktail market. And that one we are, um, I guess it's a loose, very soft opening right now. Um, once we open the doors to julep, then we'll, we'll have everything up and running. All right. So, you know, you said you have to be very creative to sort of survive this last year. You, you did popsicles, you did the cocktail truck, you've launched ready to drink. I mean, do you, do you think these initiatives are going to sort of last beyond or, or are you just ready to get back to just running the bar? I think that, I think, well, I think that they're going to last beyond um, for sure. Uh, I think that it just happens differently now. You know, I think that everyone who, who, uh, you know, and I, I hate the word pivot, but it was used uh, over and over. And I know we, we really beat that into the ground, didn't we? We did. That poor word. <laughs> but we really, anyone who pivoted, and that was everyone who's still in business, we came out of this with a, a complete different set of skills and eyes. And I think that um, that's something that the operator's just going to, we're all, every single one of us, we're going to be able to 
um, work in a new creative space, which I really enjoy. So, so I think, I think they're, I think they're going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be great. Um, and yeah, I mean, the bar is, I'm so excited to, um, to have the bar reopen. We did, uh, we did some, a little bit of training last week and we're going to continue training this week. And it's just like bar stools are coming in. It's just the really great energy that that's been needed here for a long time. Well, that was sort of the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, you know, you haven't been in front of customers on a consistent basis for a year. I mean, are you excited? Are you kind of ready to get back to it? Yeah, I think, yes. And, you know, the, the, the biggest excitement too is that we're all vaccinated and we have more um, that we have more abilities to that the service industry can feel more more empowered to to operate in in these shared spaces. Um, we will still have our staff will still uh, use masks, and uh, we still have some of those measurements in place. But it's a different feeling than uh, the few times that we tried to open, which felt really. Um, a little bit chaotic and de- definitely uh, we just didn't feel so safe. So moving to the, to the, to go model just made sense at the time. And, uh, and now it's just, and now everything is up and running. So the, the, to go, the, to go model is still working. So the julep to go truck will continue. Um, the bar is the main artery. So that's, that's going to reopen. And then we have the bottle shop for, for, uh, for any other party needs too. And, and that's just really fun. All of it. It's been really, really fun. Well, and as you said, sort of the truck now that we can start to have events again or, or people are having parties, you know, that that catering aspect that you, you couldn't have done when we were limited in the size of gatherings. I mean, that's a whole new revenue stream for to keep the truck going. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we have such a loyal fan base with the truck. It's incredible. Um, we it's what, uh, yeah, we opened up a catering, uh, the catering portion of, of the business. Um, and, and uh, I guess we were forced to during a time where we couldn't do a whole lot more, but it's been great. So, so all of it will be back and run back up and running. And, and it's just exciting. It is exciting to, to have the room filled again and, and, um, and just see everyone. It's been so long. Well, and, and let me just ask you, I mean, you know, it looks like, just on Instagram, like every bar and restaurant in town is, is hiring. It seems like if you re, have you been able to sort of staff up to a level that you feel comfortable with, did you keep most of your employees? How did, how did that all come together? So we kept some, some of our employees um, did want to work in, in, um, in the service industry. And then some of our employees moved on to other, other industries, but most of our employees stayed on the truck. And most of them want to remain on the truck because they really like the the truck model. So we have two delivery trucks, um, and and the catering aspect to it has really been um, really really profitable for them. And everybody's lives changed a little bit too. Um, so I think that's important for for them to take on. But we, I I honestly did not have a really difficult time. Um, restaffing for um for for the rest of the for the rest of the team um the truck model maintained a lot of um a lot kept a lot of people busy and um 
And so reopening the bar was just, an, we always knew we were going to do that. But I did not, I, I can tell you that we, we did not have a difficult time. Um, but we did, you know, we do uh, some really good training to get everyone uh, on the same page and to get just to, and it was the same thing. Like most of the people that, um, that we did hire did not work during the pandemic um, or they, you know, they, they were looking for other, for other revenues at that time, other looking at other industries, but it was a, it was a very um, difficult uh, thing to see for, for people in the industry um, and how the broken systems were, were there, but um, but we were very very fortunate to staff well, and and I feel really good about it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the what 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 you've been hearing from other people. <laughs> uh, I, everything from I can't find anybody to oh. you know from good to bad. I, it seems like maybe the more established you are and the more kind of a reputation you have, it's maybe a little bit easier. But then if you're if people haven't worked for you or, or you're, you're less well known that it's a little harder wow. and, and just that a lot of kind of what you've heard that a lot of people have left the industry entirely. And so, you know, they found new jobs, new opportunities, and, and they've, they're at a different place in their life than they were a year ago, which is not, not a surprise. Yeah. I really found with this restaffing that we found individuals who were really eager to learn and have cocktails be a career path. And I think that's a natural progression from there being the fallout of, of, uh, of those, of those people who didn't want it to be a career to move on to the, to some other, some other industry. So I found and that I, that I, I was really, uh, I was really surprised. Cause I, I was like, wow, I guess we have now, a lot of people who want to keep this as a career and are looking for a long-term plan for, for employment, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. So, you know, with all that said, I, I always feel obligated to sort of ask you about future plans. I mean, do you, do you aspire to open different bars? I mean, like you could, you know, you ran, you, you helped Bobby Hugel open the pastry war. I mean, so just to clarify, I'm still a partner at the pastry war. Oh yeah. Okay. Very good. I'm a small partner in the pastry war. Um, but I am a partner of the pastry war and it was again, like pastry war is also going through a, a process of the same process of reopening. Right. But I think, okay. So I'll tell you that. Um, I'll tell you this. Uh, don't be surprised if you see, a cocktail popsicle business from me in the near future. I'll take okay. it because they, I love it so much. And, and it was, it was, it's such a fun project. That is such a fun project for me. And uh, the ready to drink pop-up. I love again with the same, like just the same creative elements that, that, that are fun and just great. And, and so there's a lot of things there that, that are very pulling me and that, have a gravitational force. Um, but there's, as far as having like a plan for a, another bar, um, I love, uh, I mean, Julep is, is a, is a big project. So I feel like Julep has, uh, has a good future ahead of it. Um, so there's, there's, there's a potential to do that for sure. Yeah. I've just, because Julep is such a specific 
as that Southern sort of historical perspective. There's so many other different kinds of cocktail bars, you know, agave, rum, tiki, martini. I mean, you know, sky's the limit, right? I mean, and, and I feel like you could put your spin on any of them if you wanted to. Yeah. I mean, they're, they take a lot of work, but <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> yes. I'm, uh, money and time, right? It just takes money and time, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, thank you. Thank you for saying that. That's very, that's very kind of you. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's talk popsicles first and then we can, um, we can move on. I know uh, we have, you and I have a friend uh, in common, Linda Salinas. And when our popsicles came out, she, she became our unofficial brand ambassador for our popsicles. Um, and she was just, I mean, they were just so fun. So that's a, that's definitely a project that I have slated um, that, that is, is coming to fruition here shortly. All right. Well, that brings me to the end of my questions. Uh, is there anything you would like to discuss that I haven't asked you about? Oh, I think we're good. We covered all of the things, um, but you have to come see Ready to Drink. You'll love it. You'll love. Well, it. I'm I'm coming to the Julep party. I've yes. I have committed to that. I've got to source myself a bow tie between now and Saturday, so I look the part. But I'm I'm working on that, <laughs> uh, and I look forward to seeing Ready to Drink. And you know, I think I'll. I'm going to skip the lightning round today because you did it, you did it years ago and, and I haven't. Come oh up yeah. <laughs> so um, just before you go, give people the website and, and how to stay on top of everything that's going on at Julep. Yes. So our website is julephouston.com. Um, and our handles are on Instagram for the truck. It's julep to go julep H O U. And uh, for ready to drink, it's ready to drink MKT. So find us. They're all linked up. So if you find one of them, you find all of us. And um, and I look forward to seeing you guys back. I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited. All right, Alba, thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. It's good to see you. I'll see you on Saturday. And if you don't have a bow tie, we'll find you one. Don't you worry. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.